You're listening to Irish Radio Canada's Home and Abroad of Folk Alliance International Kansas City 2023 and uh, Culture Ireland encourage Irish artists to exhibit and to showcase their talent at this festival it's not a conference where the music industry gathers and booking agents uh, festival directors um, record companies industry generally come together and it's where networking and people get to meet people and as part of the package there's showcase events and under the Culture Ireland Showcase in 2023 we had um, numerous, numerous artists and I'm delighted to be sitting across from Karen Casey and Karen Casey appeared on my horizon way back I'd say when I started broadcasting in 2005 um, because when I went out and was listening and gathering songlines was the, the, one of the ones that was very early in the library and uh, it's an honour and a pleasure to sit across from you Thank you, thanks Austin um, What I hear from others is that you're an inspiration to them <laughs> and they look to you and um, that you offer them and I'm talking the young emerging artists that they look to you and in, in admiration and um, that you have been a guiding and shining light to a lot of young upcoming artists. Oh, thanks. Thank you. Yeah, well, I try to be. I had, um, I had two, I suppose, fantastic mentors myself. I had um, Frank Hart, yeah. who I actually met in the States, in the Catskills, in 1995, maybe 94. And we were both teaching singing. Now, I had only a handful of songs, and Frank had about 24,000 songs. But he was really kind and he took me aside and he said, you know, if you need songs, um, I'm always there, you come to the house. Right. And he was just so fantastic. I had him in my life for 10 years. He bought me um, a double cassette of Luke Kelly. Yeah. He said, go learn all those and then come back to me. And uh, I... I lived in the States, but I'd go home and I'd get my, you know, tape recorder and then a mini disc or whatever, and I'd get the bus up and I'd stayed with Frank for probably a day, two days, and we just talked about songs, right. morning, noon, and night, or if I was recording and I couldn't find a verse or a, you know, a line, I could ring Frank any time of the day, right. any time of the night. Or if I didn't get what it really meant, that's what I I got the most, I think, was his really profound love of traditional song and his, well, his wanting to pass it on and his wanting everybody to hear it. He was incredibly generous with songs. He gave songs to Paul Brady, Christy Moore, Mary Black, Mairead um, McGonnell. Mainly um, Wainick, everyone, anybody who we thought, you know, loved it. Yeah. So you just stream of people, 
coming to him, but he always made you feel, you know, special. Yeah. And he, you know, he just changed the course of my life. I, if I hadn't met Frank, I wouldn't have sung songs like King Schilling, Rogers and Miller, Miller, She's Like the Swallow. Uh, introduced me to Dick Gohan, Ballads of Accounting. And I think he also got, uh, more than I did actually at the time, what kind of songs would sort of suit me as a person. He had a deep measure of people. Yeah. And he wanted more than anything um, for me to pass him out, which I think is a really good thing. And I think the same with mm-hmm. people. I try and bring the same love of the song and music. And I suppose I'm more secure. I'm older now, so I'm more secure in my singing. I've practiced a lot. Mm-hmm. I've done a lot. Mm-hmm. So I so I love seeing people, you know, get that enjoyment and enrichment mm-hmm. from the music. And I think it's a great thing to be able to do. So the more I can help, the better. So when you say you're more secure, when would you say that the insecurity left? <laughs> Good question. Um, because there's a difference between security and insecurity. Yeah, I'd say not that long ago. I'd say really five or six years ago. Yeah. I'm 54 now. And really when I got to around 50, I went, oh my God, Karen, like, you know. You need to start enjoying it. <laughs> you know, it can be, it's pretty intimidating. It can be frightening, you know, getting up and, well, I think particularly when you're starting out, you're trying to prove yourself for mm. um, And of course, I, I think with traditional music, you know, the high, it's a very high standard of musicianship. Yes. And you're playing on your own, so you're very exposed. I mean, I think that kind of helped during the pandemic when everybody went on to Zoom. We were able to hold our own because we had all grown up learning as solo players. Right. But, but you um, didn't have the dynamic of feedback. The band. Yeah. No, oh, but no. no, you didn't have the. the, the atmosphere of the feedback. Oh no, it's a disaster. It's yeah, awful. So clinical. Yeah. No, I hate it. Yeah. So, I mean, I recognize it can be good for meetings and things and people not having to travel, but yeah. in terms of performance, yeah. you know, there's something electric about performance. You but, but when you also go back, and st- when, if you, you think in terms of when you started out and when artists now, emerging artists start out, be it likes of Anneva Regan or um, Emma Langford, they're able to leverage social media yeah. in a way you wouldn't have been able to do so. Yeah. So you would have had to literally kind of knock on doors where they can put up a YouTube video. Well, so I teach, I, I teach a bit as well. Um, yeah, so like I suppose like any great social change, there's pluses and minuses. Yeah. But I do feel that social media essentially is pressure. Is it well, yeah. uh, you know, and I feel while there's access, 
there isn't the industry structure that I would have had. So when I went and Sola started, you know, we had record companies mm-hmm. that funded us, that helped us work on our pictures, our look, that paid for that, mm-hmm. um, that organized interviews mm-hmm. and radio and television and set that all up and kind of gave us a framework and, and a learning structure, you mm-hmm. know. Um, whereas I feel people these days, you know, they're really thrown into the deep end with social media. Everything has to be up there and, you know, uh, not necessarily perfect, but I think that's a stress. Well, um, you, you nearly have to have your 15-second elevator pitch Yeah. down to yeah. such, because uh, I know in the business world, uh, I used to say to when I, I had staff, I'd say, you know, the purpose of your 15 elevator, or 15 second elevator switch is after you've given it, they should actually ask you a question about, tell me more. Yeah, yeah. And in a way, that's the challenge, I guess, yeah. of social media. You have to get that the interest that to say, I want more. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I suppose in terms of. So there's two things. There's the business yeah. of singing and music, and then there's the actual singing and practice of music. I prefer this side, of <laughs> the practice side of it. And I just feel that, well, I know myself, having gone through it and watched the change, I now can spend up to seven or eight hours a day standing at the computer, sorting out admin, sorting out content, all the different platforms because it's not just the social media it's you know Spotify Apple Songkick Links you know it's all I know and you know that's a a lot and then where I really feel like you'd be much better learning how to sing and taking time and time is the thing that musicians need they need to try it out they need to have fun dance around the kitchen Thing, cry, you know, really engage with the words, and you know, and really embody the music. So I feel, I know, a lot of them are spending time doing all of this. Now I'm older as well, and so for them, younger people. Uh, it's probably not the same way I would approach social media. Do you know what I mean? I would agonize over putting up a post and I'd correct my grammar. <laughs> Do you know? Whereas my 50, a 17-year-old daughter throws things up. She's like, you're thinking about it too much, yeah. man. You know? So there's pluses and minuses. But I do feel that that structure that we had... And we were privileged to have us. I know that not everybody had us. Uh, when I look back, we were very fortunate to have that. Right. Yeah. Do you remember your first performance professionally? Um, I sang Rhinestone Cowboy with uh, John Regan from Ballyduff Lower in Waterford in the community hall but we weren't paid (laughs) 
I don't think that counts. And I was seven, and I was and dressed and up in my brother's cowboy suit. <laughs> that doesn't count. Um, well, I haven't been asked that question now. It might have been when I was 15, 16, and the Battle of the Bands, and going in and winning that in Waterford and being paid to do that. I don't remember. I don't, I don't remember, like I was in sessions and I was in competitions and then singing in sessions in pub. I suppose it was the transfer all right from Valley Duff, which is eight miles outside Waterford, to Waterford City. Yeah. So that felt like being more, you know, professional if you want. Yes. Yeah. No, well, I'm, in the way of what I'm asking, like when you would have decided that music is going to be a career. Yeah. And, and you're out there and this is now what I'm doing for my life. And you're stepping out on the stage, not by accident, but mm. by design. Yeah, yeah, I had a band when I was 18 and I, it was called Dorothy. Yeah, we Very appropriate age. for Kansas. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, and you said the yellow brick road. Now, but <laughs> yeah, we got paid for that. Yeah. Yeah. And what kind of stuff were you playing? Actually, I was writing my own songs. Yeah. 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 And where would you have been performing? In pubs in Waterford right. or the outskirts. Yeah. 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 And at that point, were you then saying, "This is what I'm going to do for my life," or did you were you were committed at, in your teenage years? Said, "This is where I want to be." Yeah, I always wanted to be a singer. Right. I wanted to be a singer from when I was very small. My grannies were great singers. Right. My dad is a beautiful singer, and my uncles. And my grannies, when they babysat, they made a table, kind of a table beside the window. And they'd put me up on the table, they'd put two chairs in front, and they'd sit like very straight. And I'd hold the curtain rope, and I'd sing into it. I was only two or three, and they would applaud all day long. <laughs> Disastrous <laughs> thing to teach a child at <laughs> two, three, and four. <laughs> well, I learned the power of song. Yeah. Yeah. My father is a great singer, and he can transform a room singing. And whenever we have any parties or get-togethers, he always organises a sing-song. And mm. or if we were going on a drive, he would sing. Mm. You know. So. Mm. Yes. And since you started professionally and music has been your life have there been any pinch me moments where you've either been um, collaborating or you've been found yourself on stage with somebody that they said you know is is this real mm, yeah um I liked the gig with Bela Fleck. I did the gig in Scotland through Catch Connections. And Future Man, who plays the bass. Yeah. Oh my god, that was incredible. And Abigail, Abigail Washburn. Um, and. I mean, I suppose the James Taylor, that was pretty beautiful in Transatlantic Sessions. Right. I always loved singing with Karen Matheson. Yeah. I got to sing with Karen actually in the concert hall just last week in Glasgow. Um, 
And I actually really love, I think, more than, I really love playing with Sean Ogan Neal. Right. I think I'm really blessed. You know that <laughs> I, I make myself out to be so old, but I'm thinking like they're so young and they're so fantastic and wanting to, and having them play with me is really great. Yeah. And we've built up a, a lot of trust over the past. Well, I've been playing with them for nearly ten years, but not as much doing tours. Right. Well, I suppose with the pandemic and everything. But yeah, I feel really blessed. Yeah. Um, yeah. What else? I've been very lucky. I've played with a lot of incredible musicians. And well, Karen, that's not luck, and you know it, and I know it. Oh, it's, well, part of it is luck. No, it's not. Once, well, it's part of it is that your talent gets recognized, and there's an appreciation for it, and that's not luck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Maura, Maura O'Connell. Right. Actually, that's actually, yes. Yeah, right. I completely adore Maura. And I used to go out to Kay Carney's, which is out the Tremor Road. Uh, yeah. And I used to go to her gigs. Right. And I loved her, and I loved the way of her. And, and I think that was very inspirational for me, seeing her on stage. That kind of gave me... You know, uh, I saw that I could, someone could be like this. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk a bit about your activism. Yeah. You're committed to. Um, what would be the best way to, to raising the profile of women in, in the industry? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And ho- and holding women up, you know, yeah. and helping women along and. Yes, definitely. Um, I think it's been a massive change. I think mm. There's much more discussion now about women and I think maybe even five years ago if you brought up the notion of gender balance you'd be like, you're a what are you talking about, girl. Mm-hmm. Do you know, whereas now I think a lot of people are thinking about it and yeah, and I think it's just, it hasn't been without its challenges, mm-hmm. the discussion, mm-hmm. but it's definitely, I think, changing mm-hmm. for the better. Um, you know, like, I noticed that the culture of Ireland was a lot of women, yeah, and uh, the showcase in particular, mm-hmm. and I think that's a really great thing, yeah. And I suppose the challenge in some ways from the outside looking in is that, you know, um, looking back over the last 20, 30 years, people like Dolores Keane, Francis Black, Mary Black, um, even um, on the, the Philomena Begley. Yeah. Um, you know, there's been a strong female representation in Irish music. Yes. And that's in, not, with singers. And that's not where the problem is. Yeah, exactly. It's so the young women watching, like me, just describing Maura there. Yes. Um, when they go, it's the instrumentation, yeah. it's the production, it's yeah. the engineering, yeah. it's who's running, who's top of the festival, you know, it's all, it's it's the whole gamut of, of yeah. the music world. And I think I had to recognize myself five or six years ago the fact that I could have been part of the problem contributing to it by bringing out mostly male musicians. I often had a woman but I had to sit with the discomfort of that and go, right, okay, 
let's talk about this and let's see how we can change it. Right. How can I address it? Yeah. Which I did. And I really, you know, I have never been, none of my albums have been engineered by a woman, for instance. Mm. You know, so things mm. like that, yeah. and things that we just normalized and accepted. Yeah. Uh, so I did a lot of learning myself, and then, yeah, we, we definitely had an awful lot of help. There's the, the movement Fair Play, which is... F-A-I-R-P-L-E for the play being the Irish word for discussion mm-hmm. was initially about um, discussing this mm-hmm. and learning, trying mm-hmm. to learn. You know, I felt one of our best days was the session day on the 9th uh, of June, which was the centenary of Law and Amman in 1918 when the women of Ireland came together against conscription mm-hmm. and they won. Mm-hmm. And nobody ever told me that. Mm-hmm. I didn't learn that until a hundred years later. Mm. So, I suppose that day was about everybody coming, doing session with 30 sessions across America and Europe and Ireland. And um, it was, what were, what were the issues? And what do people want to see change? Um, yeah, so it's, yeah, it's been good. Yeah, but it's been very hard work, like, it's very, yes, very, and I love the camaraderie, and, you know, a lot of the women here are, uh, were part of that, or are also, you know, some of them have said in the past few days, they really did, they were delighted that it happened, and that people spoke up and said things. I think it gave women a, a space to come forward to tell, you know, their experiences. Um, it was difficult when those experiences were hard mm-hmm. or there was harassment and sexual mm-hmm. harassment. Mm-hmm. And that was very challenging for mm-hmm. all of us. But I think we're we're trying to work our way through things. Mm-hmm. I think the whole world is <laughs> it's just you know, it's not uh, it's obviously it's, it's systemic and it's across society so we would be mad which is what people said at the start to say this doesn't exist in traditional music and we were like well actually sorry now it does and people didn't want they were very protective of the tradition mm-hmm. and I understand the mm-hmm. historical reasons for that but I think like any community if it's going to improve or there was uh, there's no losing here there's only mm-hmm. win for everyone mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um yeah so that that was that was pretty hard actually at times yeah Karen if one share a piece of music what should we share um I suppose I'll go to the new album because okay. I like it I love Nine Apples of Gold or I like the second track Sister I'm Here For You I don't think you like them all I That's do the like <laughs> Let's put this track on. I don't like it. <laughs> I do. I do. Um, there is no B-side. <laughs> that was one of the things with this album. I didn't want a filler song. I wanted to love them all. Yeah. <laughs> and if anyone wants to find out more about you, where they can find you? I'm... Uh, You're not on TikTok yet. I'm not on TikTok. <laughs> God almighty. Um, yeah, KarenCasey.com. K-A-R-E. Facebook, Karen Casey, um, 
Casey Karen Casey on Twitter and Karen.Casey.9 on Instagram and yeah and the website and and it's been a real pleasure oh thank you thank you Austin you're very good <laughs> you